2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
3: And welcome in. Kathy Emmons with you. The Ride Home for today already in motion, absent my uh, cohort, my partner in crime, John Hall, who's not with me today. Uh, John Hall currently, even as we speak, in the middle of shoulder replacement surgery, right here in the Pittsburgh area. Yes, people, it is a—it's a long surgery. It's something like four hours, and uh, John is under the knife. Uh, his physician told him it was something like using construction equipment. Uh huh that's what the doctor told John I don't think it made him feel very good at the time but it did make Mike and I laugh so I, I don't think that means probably a lot of good things for the character that Mike and I have but anyway we uh, we love John so much we are so actually excited that this day has finally come if you are <coughs> a frequent listener to the show you know that John fell in his backyard he went out in the uh in the back after a rain and was early evening <clears throat> the grass was wet walking back into the house and just wiped out completely destroyed his uh, shoulder. And he has been suffering so much since I saw him, um, uh, well, August 1st at my uh, daughter's graduation party. And it's like the whole one side of his body. Mike is like, <laughs> it's like totally atrophied. It's just very, very sad. Anyway, anyway, he did not want to have the surgery. Cause who wants to have surgery if you don't have to have surgery. Oh. Right. But, um, this is a surgery that had to happen. And, um, he has a lot of confidence in a surgeon and in the process that they are uh, actually, you know, bringing to fruition even now. So we're anxiously hearing, anxiously waiting to hear some news about how the surgery went, and how his recovery is. I did promise him off the air, Mike, last night. I believe you were there that uh, I would be waiting in his um, in his hospital room <laughs> as he came in for recovery. <laughs>
4: I don't think it's gonna happen now though, is it?
3: Mm, I did think about it a second time last night and I thought maybe that wouldn't be a good idea.
5: <laughs> I was oh, I yeah. was ho-
4: I was hoping to to go there and greet him with uh all of uh, all of his lovely favorite foods that he enjoys.
5: Oh, like, right.
3: All sorts of things Fritos, that he can't eat.
4: Yeah, all the stuff that he can't oh, eat. Right. All, all the things that are like s-
3: super nutritious, right. you know, all yeah. the like uh like <laughs> That's just the kind of thing you want to eat after surgery. (laughs) And I heard three different conversations right around. 101.5
5: WORD.
0: There's no formula for perfect parenting, but there are some effective approaches to raise children. Next time on Focus on the Family, the power of adaptability in your parenting, modeling respect for your kids and being more intentional about the growth and direction of your family. Practical parenting help on the next Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD.
3: This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home.
0: Thinking about life insurance? Did you know in just a few minutes you can find the best price from up to 10 price competitive companies for free? You can with select quote. For example, George is 39.
1: That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states.
6: Hi, I'm John Henny from Henny Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives, we are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com Henny Jewelers your jewelers for life.
7: I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us.
0: Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. At stockfamilydentistry.com.
8: This radio station accepts political advertising. In fact, we
1: are required to do so by federal law. We understand that not all of our listeners will agree with statements or positions taken by all of these candidates, and sometimes neither do we. This radio station is an important part of this community, and therefore the candidates want
8: to bring their message to you via our airwaves. We do so as a public service, and we are required to do so. Regardless of your position on these issues, Please make sure
1: you register to vote so your voice is heard.
3: Awfully sorry to hear about the uh, technical difficulties we had before the break. I was uh, just, you know, it's, it's hard when you're broadcasting from home. You know, we're dependent on the internet here and the internet where Mike is at the station. Anyway, there's a lot of uh, stuff that has to transpire between where I am and where he is. And uh, so I'm sorry for that, but thanks for sticking with me today on the ride home. And I'm so excited to reintroduce a great friend of the program, Kathy Keller. Kathy Keller, along with her husband, Tim Keller, founded Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan back in 1989. Formerly serving as assistant director of communications for Redeemer, Kathy's the author of several books, including... Jesus, Justice, and Gender Roles, and co-author with her husband, Tim, of The Meaning of Marriage, Facing the Complexities of Commitment with the Wisdom of God, among others. Kathy Keller, welcome back to the show.
9: Why, thank you so much. It's so nice to be connected to Pittsburgh only through the airwaves.
3: Absolutely. Now you are without your better half, Tim, and I'm without my uh, work husband, as I call him, John Hall. So it's just the Kathy and Kathy (laughs) segment here. Um, Kath, let's talk about Tim. Uh, Tell us how he's doing. He was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer how many months ago?
9: Um, End of May was the end of May, and he's had um, five chemotherapy infusions to get some every other week. And this coming Monday, you all can pray about this. He'll be getting his first set of scans. And then on a week from tomorrow, be Wednesday the 26th, we'll meet with the oncologist to look at the scans and see what, uh, if anything, the chemotherapy has accomplished, which, of course, we're praying that there won't be a shred of cancer left on the screen. He will be dumbfounded in silence. and we will be weeping with praise. Of course, God may see fit to do otherwise. I've been <clears throat> reading a book. I was asked to do a forward to a book on Lilius Trotter. Is that name familiar to you? Yes, sure. Um, and she, she basically is taking up the same thing Amy Carmichael said, which is, God bids you come and die, which means, you know, your old self has to die. You have to let go of all the things that you're weaned in the world and, and follow him. So we're prepared to run whatever race God has in front of us. But, of course, it's it's the Gethsemane moment where you say, please let this be yep. easy, please let this be good news, but thy will be done, Lord. That's, that's a hard prayer to pray. It's really, I think, um, the only one I've ever had to pray that I've really wrestled with. Yeah,
3: on several occasions. Yeah, Kath, well, you're, you're talking to tens of thousands of people around Western Pennsylvania, probably tens of thousands of more who are listening online. And so many of us know exactly what you're going through. You know, those those difficult days of of sitting there in the hospital while treatment's going on, of, you know, making conversation with the people around you, with the, you know, unbelievable medical staff, people that do this every day, the waiting game. Um, to see what scans are like, to hear what the oncologist is going to say. I mean, it's a hard road you're on. I I found it exhausting uh, when I was on it, Kath. um, Talk about how – it's. I guess it's hard to imagine until you go through it how much your life can change kind of in the blink of an eye. Um, Talk about what daily life is like for you guys. Well, daily life hasn't actually changed. Our spiritual life has become –
9: a lot more, um, no, I can't say real because it wasn't like it was unreal before, but um, necessary uh, in the sense of we, the, the hymn that says, I need thee every hour. They're not mm. kidding, <laughs> you know, because your your emotions go through, it's a roller coaster of, I'm trusting God and I'm at peace, and suddenly, swoop, and I'm weeping and saying, How did this happen? And so, the, the emotional life and the spiritual life is um, is a real uh, God's gymnasium experience. So, Hebrews 12, God takes you into his gymnasium. The daily life hasn't really changed much. Tim's cancer was caught very, very early. Um, he gets his chemo for five hours at the hospital and then comes home with a little pump that keeps it going for the next two days. And he feels very normal during that period. Now, the days following that are a little bit on the bumpy side because they fill you full of um, cortisone and anti-nausea meds. And when you come off of those, that has more side effects than actually the chemo has had. So Mm -hmm. those are (laughs) a little bit bumpy days. So there's one week that's not so bumpy and then there's one week, uh, or it's not it's not super bumpy, but it's it's not perfect week. And then one week that's really normal. The thing that makes things so abnormal for us is with um, low white blood cells and with COVID still running around. We're fairly isolated. We have yeah. to be very very cautious. And so that the isolation is difficult. Um, you know, not having the grandchildren over and be or. Having them over and trying to do social distancing with a two year old that's um, quite a trick, and it doesn't work. Let me just tell you. <laughs> and you and they're it's very. So, distractible. It's so
3: awkward and annoying to have that intrude on things that are really important, right? Kath, I mean, you know you want to have your grandkids there, it's wonderful for you, it's good for Tim, it's good for them, and you think, "Oh, I can't believe we have to deal with all this, like don't hug me now."
9: Yes, and they don't understand either, so that's right. hard. That's
10: right.
3: really hard. but uh, you know. All right. We're talking to Kathy Keller um, along with her husband, Tim. They founded Redeemer Presbyterian Church in 1989. Kathy's the author of several books on her own and several with her husband, Tim. Uh, we're talking about their journey together as Tim was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer back in the month of May. Uh, Kathy, I mentioned earlier that so many of our listeners know exactly what you're going through and have, you know, trod this road. Um, talk about commonality that you now feel a sense of, I don't know solidarity with friends who've suffered through cancer in the past. I mean, I know you suffered through a lot of health challenges yourself, and now all of a sudden you're on the other side. You're the supportive one.
9: Well, that is true. That's that's a different role for me and a different role for Tim because he's he doesn't like to be anything less than productive. He, right. He's got a huge idol in his heart. And, and I have to tell you, cancer has really addressed it. God is is uh, addressing that idol with uh, everything he's got. Um, Productivity, you know, if he even gets a sinus infection or the sniffles, he feels, oh, my head is all woolly and I don't like it and I want to sit down and I want to write. And, you know, he has been very um, productive. He just finished off a book manuscript that he sent off to the publisher on the resurrection that he's been writing for a year. And um, that was actually a very he wasn't diagnosed with cancer when he started it but you know by the time he finished he was so it's actually quite a, a timely topic for him um, and he's you know been making videos and uh, calling people and writing articles and so his, his productivity would astonish anyone who didn't know him very well but he still feels like he's you know, idling at, you know, 70% rather than full steam ahead. And that's that's a, a rough toll for him. That's that's a, a real spiritual challenge for him. And he knows it is. He knows that God is really addressing his productivity idol. So.
3: Yeah, that's hard, isn't it, Kath? I mean, we've read tim's books for i mean i don't know how many of tim's books i've read i've read two of the books that you've written together with him and you don't get to the place where you're that productive you know where you have that where where, you know you you look your names up on amazon and there are that many books under um under your name without being a type of person that values that and kind of looks at that as an impetus and so when when illness comes in it's not that illness redefines us um, because we are the same people we were before but it does it, it does alter how we see ourselves. It's like the the magnifying glass that God holds up to us, right? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know
9: if you're familiar with Sheldon Van Auken's book called A Severe Mercy.
7: Oh, yes, of um, course.
9: Yes, where <clears throat> it's, he's talking about, it's actually a phrase that C.S. Lewis gave right. him um, when he knew them at Oxford. He and his wife who died and um, Lewis calls it a severe mercy. and severe is hardly a severe enough word, I mean, but it was mm-hmm. it was God's mercy because they had totally made themselves um, their life and their cozy little world completely hermetically sealed and nothing you know it's like the psalm that says, "I said, I will never be shaken." And you know, then God shakes your world, and you think, "Why did I ever think I was impervious to right, the right. suffering and difficulty?" You know, what made me think, or, or the parable that Jesus told about the the fool who says, "My barns are full, and the grain is in," and then he says, "Tonight, your soul is required of you." And you're like, mm. "Well, you know, God's emptying our barns. All the things that we had, um, had." mass in terms of these are this is the way we live this is the uh, these are the friends we have i mean as i said covid takes has been taking that away since before the cancer was diagnosed but just having um the routines of your life um monstrously upset and uncertainty put into place i i'm the the certainty junkie i We never go anywhere new on a vacation or a trip because I like ruts. I like to be in the old familiar rut. I know where the grocery store is. When we go to the beach, I know if we need a doctor, where the doctor's office is. I'm, you know, exploring places. Lots of people like that, but it's not me. And here, we've been pitched headfirst into a lot of uncertainty. So, um, you know, God, God, doesn't do this to be me and anyway it's his love. It's but it's a it's a severe mercy. It's a way of saying it is. I love you enough, I want you to be happy in my kingdom and I don't want you to be happy with anything less. I think Lewis said we're like children who are playing in a mud puddle mm-hmm. and refusing to go on vacation because we can't imagine what a holiday at the sea would be like. And I think, well, this is my mud puddle, and it's very familiar, and it's my rut. And, you know, God's kingdom has to be more real to me than my mud
3: puddle. I'm under that. It's a hard process, though. Talking to Kathy Keller. Um, Kathy, along with her husband, Tim Keller, founded Redeemer Presbyterian Church in the late 80s. They're um, co-authors of several books together. Tim has authored a whole slew of books. Kathy, several on her own as well. We're talking about uh, Tim's condition. We're talking about what it's like to be a supportive person when someone you love is seriously ill. Um, Kath, before you leave us, I want to hear about New York City. Um, Rebounded since uh, since COVID was at its peak, but what does that recovery look like for you guys?
9: Well, for us, it doesn't make much difference because we're in our apartment and we have our small little routines of sitting out on the balcony and um, sitting in the park whenever there's no one else around, but New York City hasn't rebounded yet. Uh, there's a There are a number of people that are out and about who weren't out and about before, but there's also um, a a an exodus of people who have, well, they're not leaving right this minute. They left whenever the worst of the COVID was here and went to their second homes or their parents' homes or their in-laws' homes or somebody else's just out of town, which sadly those out-of-town places often became hotspots. But, um, but having gotten there, they are aware that it's, cheaper and greener and mm, um, interesting you know, right? and everyone is doing everything online so why not stay here? Right, That's working partially but the corporations, the word that we're getting is the corporate headquarters that are still based in New York are are becoming aware that a lot of their employees are literally dialing it in and it's not mm. the same level of creative energy so there's a lot of discussion right now in New York about whether the city is going to rebound, whether it's going to sort of implode and um, housing prices fall, corporations move out, that sort of thing. It's it's um, very hard to tell. But, you know, churches are ne- going to need to be planted no matter what. We're talking to our son who planted a church um uh, couple of years ago and says, you know, there's plenty of non-Christians still in town. You can move out as many people as you want and there's still going to be people that need to hear the gospel. So we're not going anywhere.
3: Right. That's an interesting conversation though, Kathy. We haven't heard very much about that in the press, Um, just kind of New Yorkers thinking about their own city and kind of evaluating where things are. Uh, You can't go through a situation that was that dire, um, that has had so many as many long-term consequences as this has had, and think that we're going to go right back to where we were in February. I mean, that's obviously that that's a naive way of looking at it. But trying to reimagine it in a new way is the hard thing.
9: Mm-hmm. Well, Pittsburgh came to mind immediately to me because I grew up when you were driving you know, around that bend down Route 22, going getting into the city. Um, you just knew when you hit that sulfur smell from the steel companies. Yeah, that You know,
3: right. you were
9: there. That the odor of Pittsburgh. Right. You did Pittsburgh, and that the, when steel went away, everyone said, "Well, that city's finished." You know, that was a heart, soul, and paycheck for everybody in Pittsburgh. And then now, look here. You know, it's been reinvented in yep. so many different ways and no, ways that no one could have foreseen. Medical and uh, digital and all yeah. kinds of things that are going on in Pittsburgh that would never have actually moved there if you know steel had continued to be the one and only big industry. And um, you know, and I, I've seen both aspects of that. And so I think New York, yeah, maybe things will change, but it's going away. It really is not going to go away. Housing prices are going to fall. If you want to move to New York, folks. Now's the time you can get some really good deals on apartments.
3: <laughs> really we might actually ones. have lower rent. Is that what you're saying,
9: Kath? Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, I have some friends in the real estate business and friends who are also, you know, selling uh, apartments. And the price is really been slashed it's not a fire well I it's kind of a fire sale
3: you know it's, is that you know, right wow okay oh, yes, yes yes i mean i'm not moving to new york kath i'm pretty well established here in pittsburgh but i sure <laughs> do love the city and love to visit what do you think about yeah, well, it's, it's hard to imagine what it would need. be like What is it's going to be like to travel to new york in hopefully you know a year
9: well i think we could never have imagined being where we are right now nope, we couldn't a year ago and what next year will be, 12 months from now, um, I don't think anyone has a clue about that either.
3: Nope, you're right. So well, Kathy, thanks be- for being with me today. And just know that your friends in Pittsburgh and all over the world who are listening to the program right now love you and Tim and are praying for you, to- you. often daily, you know, not... We just we don't go through our lives and think, oh, yeah, we kind of forgot about that. It's something that's very real to us, especially how much we have learned and gained from you guys and your your communication and your study and your publishing and all of that. And so we're with you in this as well.
9: Thank you Chris, so much. We, we are very aware of being prayed for. Thank
3: you. Well, that's wonderful. Well, love from your hometown. Kath. That's Kathy Keller. Uh, Terrific talking with her. Uh, Kathy is the co-author with her husband, Tim, of several books, including The Songs of Jesus, A Year of Daily Devotions in the Psalms, and God's Wisdom for Navigating Life, A Year of Daily Devotions in the Book of Proverbs. All right, we're going to step aside. John Hall taking a day off. You know why? He's under the knife at a local hospital. Even now, I'll tell you about that when we come back. Also, how to help your kids manage back-to-school COVID anxiety. We'll talk about both things on the Tuesday edition of the Ride Home.
6: The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation has been at the forefront of inflammatory bowel disease research and care for over 50 years. Learn more about research, education, and support at Crohn's Colitis For
3: those of us who are healthy, it's hard to imagine what it's like to be chronically sick. If you're over 50, you may be fine today, but tomorrow, different story. Chronic illness can literally claim your financial world overnight, and suddenly you're tens of thousands in debt, mailbox overflowing with bills, notifications, warnings, and you think Obamacare will help you sort it out? Good luck getting someone even to talk to. This is Kathy Emmons, and my friends at Marley Financial have a better solution. It's their non-Obamacare pro-life health plan. It gives you the power of a national PPO instantaneously, savings of 30 to 60% off Obamacare for those over 50, no funding for abortion, and always someone to help you. Call 724-884-1496. One client recently in the hospital for 11 days for a bowel obstruction. The hospital billed him over $56,000. Marley Financial's non-Obamacare plan paid the entire claim and put $7,000 in his pocket. There's no other plan like it anywhere, and you can get it now. Call 724-884-1496 or visit MarleyFG.com.
11: We were port sitting the other night, having a drink, listening to nature, talking. (laughs) I mean, life is still good, right? I mean, even in these weird times, there is so much beauty, still lots of joy. Anyway, as things do, our talk turned to life, to time, security. And then my buddy confesses he was carrying this big nut of debt that was wearing him down. But months ago, he says, when everything just stopped and the bottom fell out, interest rates sank to those crazy lows. He saw it, seized it. He quickly found himself a cash-out refinance loan, consolidated the debt at that unheard-of rate, and had a new mortgage that wiped his slate clean with a lower monthly payment. One day this will all pass, but wouldn't it be good to come out stronger? United Faith Mortgage. Faith and family are central to who they are. Come out stronger. UnitedFaithMortgage.com
0: United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage lender license number 22672. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight light sweepstakes brought to you in part by salem media group salem surround and this station
5: listen on your smart speaker the word fm app at wordfm.com iheart heart tune in and on radio.com in the car or at home too at 101.5 W-O-R-D-FM pittsburgh
12: partial clouds tonight low 56 sunny nice for tomorrow high 77 Clear tomorrow night, low fifty-five. Thursday, sunny and nice with a high eighty-two. For Friday, clouds and some sunshine, high eighty-four. Cloudy on Saturday, a thunderstorm in the afternoon hours, high eighty-three. With the Iraqi Weather Forecast, I'm Andy Rob.
3: Well, in the COVID-19 era, nothing is for sure. We're all learning that. One of the things that's not for sure is what the heck is going to happen with schools uh, all around us. So, um we're all trying to figure out what's going to happen with our kids, those of us who have them. So whether you've got you know, a kindergartner who's going to school for the first time or you've got somebody who's going to college, none of us can quite figure out what it's going to look like. Um, there's an article in today's Wall Street Journal uh, by Tonnell Hobbs talking about a growing number of schools nationwide that are closing temporarily or even longer term just days after reopening. Now, see, this is the thing that I'm concerned about. I'm not worried. It's not like I'm losing sleep over because there's no way that we can control it. Um, But it does make you think, oh, my gosh, for all this effort of like trying to get back, are we going to be back for just a really short period of time? Schools in several states, this is back to the article, including Indiana, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Tennessee and Georgia, closed to in-person learning this month after students and staffers tested positive for COVID-19. The campuses are shutting down to in-person learning indefinitely, or some are saying we're just going to shut down for a couple days, do like a super deep cleaning of the building, and then try to reopen again. Um, So, you know, some places are saying, okay, so we'll do, uh, we're going to close the schools until a certain date. Other schools are saying we're going to just um, come back and We'll do our best. We're all going to wear masks. We're going to social distance and we're going to see how long we can go. And then the third option to me is kind of the nuttiest, which is schools saying, well, you can, as a parent, choose whatever you want. You can either choose to send your child or you can choose to do online learning. And the reason that I think that is so nutty is because I'm married to a teacher. I mean, what we're (laughs) doing, I'm laughing, not because it's funny, but because it's so unbelievable. What we're doing to teachers is we're basically telling them, you have to figure out how to do two jobs at the same time, when you go back to school. So I hope that goes well for you. I mean, it's just absolutely nutty. We all know that when we were forced into online learning back in the spring, it was a bumpy road. I mean, there were School districts that had no clue what they were doing. It took them months to get their act together. Fortunately, I live in a school district that was on it from the very beginning. And so I felt like they did a really excellent job in a difficult circumstance. But regardless of where your school is on the continuum of that, it wasn't ideal, right? Nobody wants to be sitting there learning, you know, taking gym class online when you're in 10th grade. It's just too weird. It's too weird. But anyway. As schools reopen, we're just kind of be kind of going to be in a wait and see uh, in a wait and see posture. Um, another article in the same edition of the Wall Street Journal today on how how to help your kids manage COVID nineteen anxiety. I thought was worth talking about because you know as I said, my husband's a teacher. He's got his own anxieties about how he's going to possibly prepare for online learning and in person learning and be effective in um, meeting the needs of both student groups. But what if you're a student? What are your concerns about what you're going to do, what's going to happen to you. Um, For many children in the U.S., the usual back-to-school jitters are likely to be a lot more intense this year for all the obvious reasons. This is an article by Andrea Peterson in the journal. Um, There are worries about illness. There's worries about germs. Um, Am I going to be able to see my grandma if I go back to school, right? These are valid things that kids are asking. Some kids are worrying about forgetting their mask. Like, what happens if I don't do that? I mean, let me just say parenthetically, whenever I go into a store, which believe me, is not very often, but yesterday I was in three different stores, all three times, I walked up to the front door of the store and realized I'd left my mask in the car. Then I went back and I had to get it. I mean, it's just something that, I don't know, I forget all the time. Imagine being in fourth grade. Or seventh grade or something and thinking, what's gonna happen if I forget my mask? Also, some kids are starting to get afraid of what if I get in trouble at school? What if I, you know, forget the social distancing rules or say the wrong thing or whatever? Am I gonna get, I don't know, is the teacher gonna punish me or the principal gonna come down on me or whatever that's gonna be like. Anyway, here are the recommendations that are listed in the article. I thought they were probably worth sharing. Okay, the first one is for parents, keep calm and listen. Okay, so whatever your anxieties as a parent are, kind of put them aside. And let your kid talk to you about where they are. We don't want to transfer our parental needs onto the needs of our kids. We don't want to make our kids be adults, right? We need to be the adults in the relationship. So you talk to your spouse or your friends or your whatever about your issues. And then when it comes to your kid, you're there to be a sounding board. You're there to be a parent who's going to give solid advice and love and kindness and mercy um, when they have doubts flying around, right? So the first thing, Keep calm and listen to what your kids are saying. Second of all, help your kids focus on what they can control. Now, this is a really important thing in just being emotionally healthy in general is that if you can control something, in an uncontrollable situation, it'll at least help you feel like you're moving forward, right? So help your kid to recognize that wearing a mask is gonna act, is going to be really helpful to him or her and also helpful to their friends. Um, if children are worried about getting sick or loved ones getting sick, highlight how people are staying safe in their families, right? Um, what about anxieties? about potential disappointments. Like I'm going to miss my basketball season, or I'm not going to be able to swim, or I don't know what's happening with football. Right? I think the number one thing to do because I've managed this a lot with my own kids is just to say, that's terrible. I mean, there's no way that you're going to be able to, to like reason your kid out of that. This is a sadness. This is, they have to go through a mourning or grieving period. You just have, you have to do it. So anyway, being empathetic, I think is really important. Um, and just acknowledging what is, um, okay. I'm going to go through these cause we're kind of short on time. Um, but I think enforcing good routines is important, you know, um, especially if your kids are little trying to stick with something so that they know what to expect, even when everything around them seems un. Um, Unexpectable um, and also unacceptable. Um, what about things like preparing for things to change? I've said this over and over again to my daughters the very most important character trait that you are developing right now is flexibility right? So many of us think our life has to go exactly according to ABC. And if it doesn't do that, I'm going to be disappointed. Listen, you're just going to have to accept the fact that your life's not going to go like that. And from the very beginning, we were fooling ourselves into thinking that we had absolute control over our lives because we never did. So at this point, just recognize that things are going to change and the people who roll with the punches, the people who are able to be flexible, who are able to be kind and who are able to be good problem solvers are the ones who are going to not just get ahead, but actually be helpers in the world. So I don't know if that helped you. It helped me when I looked at it. Andrea Peterson, State's Wall Street Journal, how to help kids manage back to school anxiety in the COVID era, plus a little like ruminations on my own part. Anyway, that's what's going on. Hey, uh, my uh, partner in crime, John Hall, not on the air today. That's because he is in the middle of having shoulder replacement surgery. I'm hoping the surgery is over by now. It was supposed to start at around 11. And uh, we are praying for John. We are absolutely excited um, that he's going to finally have a shoulder that might work at some point because he's been suffering a long time. So anyway, that's where he is. And our very best to John, uh, praying for him solidly today, trusting God for all that's going on in John's life. Life and um, for our own as well. All right, Mike and I, we're here on the ride home today. Happy to have you along. We're going to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about us as Americans. What can American literature teach us about who we are? Dr. Colin Messer, Grove City College with us next.
5: WORD.
1: A good rule to remember when reading the Bible is not all of it is to us, but all of it is for us. These are the wise words that we'll hear this week as we begin to study in the Old Testament book of Nahum on Through the Bible. Learn that while Nahum lived long ago, his message directly applies to us today. Through
0: the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD.
11: Hi, this is John Hall. Telling you how much I love my pillow and how it's really changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. It's truly amazing. I don't know if I love my pillow or the My Pillow mattress topper more. Get a My Pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. It comes with a 10 year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. It is made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60 day money back guarantee. MyPillow.com. Save 30%, use promo code WORD, or call 800-391-0954. When you do, Mike will give you two standard MyPillows for free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling 800-391-0954. Seriously, get the best night's sleep of your life. It's all about MyPillow, 800-391-0954. For the
13: best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com.
10: If you are a caregiver for a family member or loved one, this is an important message. Help at Home, formerly Excel Home Care, will pay you to take care of your family member or loved one. Yes, you heard that right. You can actually get paid to provide care to those you love. To learn more, contact Help at Home today and get started right now. Care and quality when you need it. Call Help at Home,
7: 412-212-8950. 412-212-8950. I consider not only my team members, but my patients, my family, and I miss them for quite a few months.
0: Stock Family Dentistry would like to say... Welcome back.
7: One of the biggest blessings I have received is to be able to use my talents and my passion to serve my community through our dental office. And I'm proud to say that we're doing it in a very safe way. We're finally back up to full speed. It's nice to be back with family.
0: On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. Some of your favorite pastors and authors
11: like Charles Stanley, John Piper, and Max Lucado are bringing you their most popular devotionals for free. Discover the joy and peace you can experience every day when you spend time in God's Word daily. Sign up for daily devotionals from Crosswalk.com and get inspiration and encouragement sent right to your inbox. With devotionals for parenting, singles, women, workplace, and more, Crosswalk.com offers spiritual growth for every stage of life. Visit Crosswalk.com.
10: One
3: of the misunderstandings I am hoping to uh, disabuse as I've been on the air all these years is to get Christians to not just read nonfiction. I mean, I like nonfiction. We talk about nonfiction books every darn day on this program, I think they're super important, but that's not all there is, people. The world of fiction is something that will enrich your life. It'll change the world of your imagination. It'll open up your head. It'll teach you things about yourself and God that you just will never learn any other way. And I've invited someone on the program who agrees with me and actually is able to speak to it a lot better than I am. Dr. H. Colin Messer is with me, chair and professor of English at Grove City College. Colin, welcome back.
8: Hey, thanks, Kathy. How are you?
3: I'm well, and I know you believe strongly the same way I do. If people would just read more fiction, right?
8: Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm asking myself that question as we're getting ready to to have all our students back, and campus is picking up here, which I'm really grateful for, and I'm getting ready to sit down with my sophomore English majors and do the entire survey of American literature for the next year. Uh, oh, my gosh. And so, yeah, so so I've got to make, make that case to them, and they've – they spent all of their freshman year studying british literature so now we're we're coming stateside and uh and yeah i do think that that literature especially fiction can teach us a lot about ourselves and and particularly about uh, ourselves as americans you know and uh and so i'm getting ready to make that case
7: okay so
3: um i was uh, an english lit minor when i was in college i didn't really come to american lit until um much later than that. In fact, you know, I've kind of shared offline with you about my journey kind of getting into Southern literature. Um, Talk about American lit and why, what sets it apart? What makes it different than other varieties of literature?
8: Well, I mean, I I don't, I don't know if it's, it's certainly derivative of of, especially American writers in the 19th century. They had their eye on England and, and they saw themselves as being friends with a lot of the great writers of, of British literature in the 19th century, but they also were trying to kind of find their own voice and, and carve something out. And, and, and you know, Emerson, he, he had this, this great uh, sort of line. He said that, that America is a poem in our eyes. It's ample geography dazzles the imagination and it will not wait long for meters. And he was trying to mm. try, he's making a, it was in an essay called the poet and he was asking, he was asking for, the, the, that that great American poet that would be equal to the landscape, you know, and actually Whitman would would kind of answer that call probably most immediately. But, but when I when I talk about American lit, I ended up I typically end up sort of hitting at least three notes pretty hard, and the first one is is the real estate. It's about the land and and trying to figure out how to relate to this. To this massive continent, uh, and obviously there's a lot of complications around that and then and then we talk a lot about an American sort of like the way our best writers grapple with history and uh, and and then then we talk a lot about community so those those are the three things I, I sort of sort of hit upon, and the thing about the land is is I mean obviously this is from a a white European tradition, so so if you were talking to Native American writers that that we sometimes talk about, it certainly they'd have a different take on this, but 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 even these early settlers trying to make sense of how to relate to the landscape. So you have you know John Smith is he's trying to get hired to come to be brought back to Virginia and so he's selling America as this Eden where you only have to work like six hours a day and you can fish to your heart's content and, and become wealthy and rich. And then right up the coast, William Bradford is talking about this desolate wilderness. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said there's no there's no Mount Pisgah that you can climb up and see the promised land the way Moses did. He said it's just dark. It's November on Cape mm-hmm. Cod, and I don't know if we're going to make it. You know, so, so we talk a lot about... The, the real estate you know it, it kind of right. becomes a, a fascinating sort of part of the story for sure
7: yeah so the land
3: itself is a character in the books
8: yeah yeah and it, it can be uh sort of the, the the big woods it can kind of be this uh you know in Faulkner the woods almost have a life of their own and they they you know the characters have to kind of make peace with with the woods and Faulkner's hunting stories and then like in hawthorne who who I love and actually who I start with in the American survey uh, before we go back to the 17th century, we kind of get a little narrative under our belts to start with Hawthorne for him. The woods is a place of, you know, hidden sin of, of mystery. It's the place Mm, where you encounter, you know, you encounter dark spiritual realities, some external to yourself in the form of the devil and some, internal, you know, and and, uh, and so for him, the woods are a place of like great mystery and often a lot of, you know, sort of darkness. And so. So, yeah, the, the land does take on its own life in a lot of ways in, in, in American literature.
7: Yeah. So the
3: the feel I was thinking about Hawthorne, the, the feeling about being hidden and exposed. Mm-hmm. Right. And, the yeah. you know, the 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 changes, the the shock of going from one to the other. Um, I'm sure that that I can't imagine what what the early Americans how, how they could identify with with ideas like that.
8: Yeah, and they but they also they're enough like their British counterparts that they see uh, so much beauty, especially the Romantics and especially even even before the Romantics in America. Somebody like Washington Irving or James Fenimore Cooper when they write about the Big Woods, you know, they when we when we study Irving and Cooper, we take a day to look at. That wonderful Hudson River School of landscape paintings, you know, oh that, yeah,
3: beautiful, that yeah, a,
8: a great sort of sublime school of American oh. painting, and you see, you know, and now it's interesting, you know, often human beings, if they're in that, in those paintings, they're very small and, mm-hmm. and dwarfed and by the landscape. The land landscape. is so huge. But, yeah, exactly, and it's and it's it's beautiful and sort of awe-inspiring and and all those ideas that sublime sort of, you know, sublime is sort of a weird word for the romantics. It's, it's it's certainly pleasurable, but it's also a little bit frightening to to look at a vista, you know, like, like the Hudson River school painters were trying to capture. So, but, but you know, so you talk about being hidden or sort of trying to, to see what we learn about human nature. I think that's where I, my favorite question in American literature really is this question of history because it gets at the sort of the underlying issue of human nature. And that's where you have the great debate in the 19th century in American literature between somebody like Hawthorne and then somebody like Emerson or the other transcendentalists and, and Hawthorne, you know, that, that wonderful, I would urge, you know, a lot of, lot of us have not, and my students are surprised by this. So when I say to them, Hey, the first book we're going to read in American lit survey is the scarlet letter. They're usually skeptical because they, they think that they read that book in high school. And I, and I say to them, well, listen, the book hasn't changed, but you have changed, and maybe to, to seriously mm-hmm. read this book for the first time, you'll be really struck by it, that it's, it's, it's so much more than just a story about Hester Prynne, even though it, it certainly is that. And, and you know it's interesting, he makes the point in the very first chapter that when the, the Puritans arrive in Boston, they find it necessary, even though they think they're founding a utopia, they find it necessary to, to, to build a prison and to dig a cemetery. And you see already Hawthorne kind of standing up to his 19th century neighbors, you know, writing about a period 200 years before, but standing up to his neighbors and saying, look, there's two facts that we all have to grapple with, and that's, that's sin and death. And, and uh, and of course, the, the crux of that book in a lot of ways is how those things are things that we carry in us, right? They're not – you know, the great temptation of that book is that Hester and Arthur – are going to be able to escape and just run off to England. And Hawthorne doesn't try to get away with it because he says, you know, we carry history and our past with us wherever we go, you know, and you have to have to kind of cope with that. And so I love, you know, I love that book because it gets to just these fundamental facts about history, especially personal history, human nature, and and he says, you know, it's it's a it's a tale of human frailty and sorrow. So it's a mm-hmm. it's 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 a heavy story, but it, it's kind of and you know, this, you know, Gatsby takes this up. Fitzgerald, is, our best writers, whether it's Fitzgerald or Faulkner, they're all saying things like, you know, you can't repeat the past. You know, the past isn't dead. It's not even past. It's not even like past. you have to, yeah. And you know, and 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 this is a to, to one of the things I think as a as a Christian professor, one of the things I love about. That American bent, or at least the, the bent of our best writers, is it's it's kind of speaks to a certain spiritual reality that you know we have to to reckon with. Uh, of course, we're you know our past can be redeemed, but our past is still very much with us. I mean, Saint Augustine talks about this all the time that we're our, our past is constantly shaping mm-hmm. uh, and sort of speaking into our present, and we have to we can't just sort of ignore that, which is a very American thing to do, which is to say, well, I'm just going to change change my haircut, change my neighborhood, change, you know, change my school and become a new person and leave the past behind. that doesn't, that doesn't usually work out too well.
3: Yeah. Because the problem is you have to bring you along with it. <laughs> right. That's and right. Yeah, just exactly. Messes everything up. I'm talking to Dr. Yep. Colin Messer from the uh, English department at Grove city college. I need to take a break. Uh, Colin, can you stay with me for a couple minutes?
8: Of course. Yeah. Great.
3: Terrific. Okay. Colin's going to stay with us. We have a couple more things to talk about when it comes to reading books and how it's going to perhaps shape us in the next three or four months as we look forward to the next quote unquote semester. Even if you're not a, uh, an academic like Colin is, we'll be back much more Thanks. ahead on the Tuesday edition of the ride home.
10: In the good old summertime in the good old summertime. It may sound a little corny, but it really is the good old summertime at the Springhouse in 84. The sun is shining, the cows are out on the pasture, the sweet corn is almost ready, the Springhouse produce tables are filled with freshly picked vegetables, and we're up to our elbows in ice cream. And you know what? That all makes the Springhouse a very fun place to be. Why not jump in the car right now for a country drive to 84? Come for homemade lunch or supper, or just to eat ice cream and enjoy sweet country air. Be sure to take home our famous chocolate milk and baked goods. Don't forget that. We're just four miles east of Washington on Route 136, and it doesn't take long to get to us. Call 228 for more directions to the Spring House in 84.
6: I know that on those tablets Mr. Moses brought down is the commandment to not covet, but I'll confess... My neighbor and his lawnmower is making it tough. He's got this stand-behind, ride-along space shuttle that covers probably three times more space than my trusty old lawn boy. So, when we have who mows the fastest races, which are completely fabricated in my head, he has some impressive advantages that I just don't have. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're blessed to have a pretty special advantage of our own, and one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is lucky to be an arm of a bigger company that is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We are United Faith Mortgage.
0: United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25, Melville Park, Rome, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to Corporate Animalist Number 1330. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah.
1: In the 2016 race for president, Donald Trump was not the first choice for many Christian voters. His personal history made it unimaginable that he would defend Christian values as president, or so we thought. In his new book, Forgotten Country The Christian Case for Trump, Dr. Ralph Reed shows that President Trump has kept his promises and been the most effective presidential defender of religious liberty and the pro life cause since Reagan. It's required reading in 2020. For God and Country, the new book by Ralph Reed, available wherever books are sold.
0: WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win. In a five hundred dollar school package, the Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station.
3: Closing out hour one of the ride home with Dr. Colin Messer, Chair and Professor of English at Grove City College. Um, thanks for being with me today, Colin. In our in our last sure. couple of minutes, I want to make sure I fast forward to the idea of community um, in American literature. Why does it Why does it matter? What is it going to teach us?
8: Well, I I was thinking about a book, uh, some of my summer reading, and a book that I just uh, was inspired to come back to. That's been on my list. I've read most of Wendell Berry's stuff, but I'd never read Hannah mm-hmm. Coulter. And my wife and I read it this summer.
10: Oh yeah.
8: And you know, a lot of com- a lot of communities in in southern in, in American lit are just you know Boston and Hawthorne is not a really happy place to be. But no kidding. But Berry has this this wonderful idea for his Port William membership. Uh, of, of this idea of being part of a membership and, and a part of of this this community of of love and responsibility that sort of includes all things, everybody created things, past, present, and future. And and uh, that the the if, if you if if you if you have never read any Wendell Berry, picking up Hannah Coulter would be an amazing place to start. And there's this. There's this great character in his work named Burley Coulter. And uh, I wish I was uh, if I if I had a if I ever get a new dog, I'm gonna name it Burley. But oh. uh but but he he uh Burley has this, he's talking about the membership, and I just thought this is a great picture of community, one of the most sort of endearing pictures of it in American Lit. He says, Oh yes, brothers and sisters, we are members one of another. The difference, beloved, ain't in who is and who's not, but in who knows it and who don't. Mm-hmm. Oh my friends, there ain't no non-members living, nor dead, nor yet to come. Uh, do you know it, or do you, or do you don't? A man is a member of a woman and a worm. A, wom- a woman is a member of a man and a mole. Oh beloved, it's all one piece of work, and uh, it's a great picture. Boy, of- that's
3: that's a great quote, Colin. Um, you know i love wendell berry i also just as you're talking about community i have to bring something it's much more accessible i wouldn't call it literature but the jan karen books about father tim Kavanaugh also great on community all right
5: we'll be right back news and then we'll five five o'clock hour ask alexa to play the word pittsburgh to hear us there we're on your google speaker too plus iHeart tune in and on radio.com 101.5 wordfm pittsburgh
2: With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump has been traveling today. He visited storm-damaged Iowa, where federal assistance is underway after last week's severe wind damage, and was also in Yuma, Arizona, to get an update on border wall construction. California power grid operators keeping a wary eye on the thermometer today as an ongoing heat wave continues to stress the electrical system. A national coin shortage has been an unusual side effect of the pandemic, The Federal Reserve announcing in June that the supply system of coins has been severely disrupted. While there are still enough coins out there, they aren't circulating as freely because many businesses have been closed. On Wall Street, the S&P 500 closing at a record high today, erasing the steep losses after the coronavirus forced widespread shutdowns. The S&P gained seven points today to close at 3,389. The Dow was down 66. This is SRN News. Audiences everywhere are saying Uncle Tom is a must-see movie. Fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. Excellent. Breathtaking. A movie that is changing hearts and minds.
15: I really feel inspired. We're going to put up statues because
2: of what this film may do. An eye-opening masterpiece of the real history of America. They want to cover up. History. I didn't study that kind of stuff when I was in history.
15: They
4: are
11: actively
2: learning their history wrong. Why have you hidden this for me? Starring Larry Elder. And Uncle
1: Tom is somebody who has sold out by embracing the white man.
2: Candace Owens. I'm a
13: black female. I should be at the top of the progressive stack.
2: Brandon Tatum. They believe that I want to be accepted in the white community. Kind of like the house Negro back in slavery. And Herman King. As my late grandfathers used to say, I does not care. These are the voices of the movie Uncle Tom.
0: Purchase now at UncleTom.com. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off.
1: Connecting you with new customers. You've worked hard to
0: provide for your family, but what happens when you're no longer here? You know, when people plan for retirement, they sometimes forget to consider their financial legacy. Your assets should go where you want them to go, not where some probate court decides. So why not be proactive? Kevin Bot can show you how to pass your assets along to your loved ones in the most tax-efficient way possible. Call Kevin at 724-837-3553 or online at integrity retirement Insurance and annuities offered through Kevin Bach, PA insurance license number 352896.
12: Partial clouds tonight low 56, sunny, nice for tomorrow, high 77, clear tomorrow night low 55, Thursday sunny and nice with a high 82. For Friday, clouds and some sunshine high 84. Cloudy on Saturday, a thunderstorm in the afternoon hours, high 83. With your Iraqi weather forecast, I'm Andy Robb.
2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons.
3: Welcome in. Happy to have you along. For the uh, five o'clock portion of today's ride home, I'm alone today. Kat, well, I'm not alone. What am I saying? I'm alone. I mean, I'm alone in my spare room, yes, but Mike is back in the uh, studio making sure that everything happens. But we are both without John Hall today. John Hall uh, just earlier has had surgery for a shoulder replacement at a local hospital. And uh, this has been a long time coming. For those of you that listen to the show regularly, you might remember that early in the summer, uh, John went out after a rain into his backyard and was. Kind of walking back down the hill afterward and fell and just completely blew apart, ruined his shoulder. And he's been suffering in a lot of pain since then, seen a lot of doctors, tried for treatment. And finally, after doing an MRI, the physician said, there's literally nothing left of your shoulder. We have to do a shoulder replacement. So this has been uh, brewing for a while. He's had uh, all the pre-surgery, everything that you'd have to have. Uh, surgery began this morning around 11 a.m. And so we're hoping by now it's completed and John's in recovery. We're praying for him. We love him. Uh, we hope this is the beginning of a whole new sector of his life without the pain that he has been like unable to escape from since uh, early May. So anyway, our best to John. And uh, Mike and I are soldiering on in his absence. And as I said, we're happy to have you along. Okay, so last night began the Democratic National Convention. I mean, what could be more exciting to watch on TV than that? Mike, did you tune in? Uh, a little bit.
4: Not uh-huh. not religiously. I no, probably okay. watched like five minutes of it. I saw Eva Longoria. Right. And then Michelle Obama came on, yeah. and then she did her spiel, and uh-huh. I kind of shut it off after that.
3: Yeah, because yeah. it's a political convention, and right. I find them so ridiculous that it's just hard yeah. for me to take it. But, you know, It was 90%
4: bash Trump and 10% oh, yeah. what you, what Joe Biden's going to do, which right. so, I feel like that's typical Which is basically
3: every... what they've been doing for the last four years. Exactly. So yeah. there's nothing nothing, <laughs> nothing unusual or different about it. Okay, but there were— uh, But as far as the visual presentation of it compared to every other either Democratic or Republican convention, it was so weird. It was very weird. I mean, watching it, you're like, am I on the moon? Like, what the heck? It's when we were talking to Greg Clugston yesterday in uh, our standard weekly uh, chat with him live from the White House, I was saying, are there going to be hats because the thing that like the cracks we have about the conventions are these weird people who put like elephants on their heads or donkeys or you know, flags, or it's just so silly. But anyway, there were no hats last night, Mike, not one single hat.
4: I was disappointed. I was you know, disappointed. I don't too. know about you, but it felt like have you ever been to have you ever been invited to a dinner party, but it was just awkward? oh yes yes that's i don't know about you but that's how i felt watching this the entire time i don't mm-hmm. i don't know where michelle obama was i don't know if she was in her own room but i don't know it just yeah. felt it just it was weird it's weird it was it's very super, weird
3: it, it was super weird now i've heard people say that it's it kind of seemed like a telethon <laughs> like you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know like for 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 whatever for whatever thing yeah. you're trying to cure, it was like a telephone um someone else called it a zoom meeting with people you didn't know that you wished you could mute that's good. Yes. <laughs> people you didn't know that you wished you could mute anyway, that's really funny i he, so it didn't seem. I mean, nothing is the way the way we understand it anymore. Right. So I guess I just have to accept that. But it's like so super produced. I mean, Eva Longoria is beautiful and professional and everything. But it's like it like it's too slick. But then yes. I think if it was if it was not slick, I would dislike it because it was like unplanned. And I yeah. so I I don't think there's any way that I would have been pleased by it. So let me say that um, the musical performances. I missed totally. I missed but, that as well. Yeah. But I, I heard that that was very odd. Um, I saw Bernie and Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you something about.
7: <laughs> wow.
3: Like there was a lot of energy yeah. from Bernie. And uh, so that was kind of what you expect. Um,
4: I enjoy hearing him, though. I don't enjoy what he has to say, but his- <laughs> he just sounds so comical to me. He's his unhinged, voice,
3: isn't he? He is so unhinged. He's anyway. like a has an SNL skit. It's like the real thing. It he, he cracks me <laughs> Absolutely. up. Then I loved the um, list of Republicans who aren't voting for Trump. <laughs> yes. I mean, that was just so John Kasich is there. John Kasich is so hated by Republicans at this point. I mean, he just couldn't be more hated. He's right. The governor
4: from Ohio. Right. Yep. OK. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And so, and then there were a bunch of other ones. There was like every like disaffected Republican of, you know, the last 10 years showed up and said, you know, we don't like Trump. We like yeah. Biden, but okay, whatever. whatever that's yeah. fine. Um, okay. Then Michelle Obama came out and you're right. It looked like she was in like somebody's bedroom or spare room or something, except there was like a no Biden's living room on the room side. Or yeah. I don't, I don't you know. know. Yeah. Um, but first of all, the production was outstanding. The yeah. way it was filmed was yes. absolutely awesome. I mean, from a tech perspective, Mike, it was oh, like it was fantastic from it. It was just yeah. it was so well. I understand she recorded it a, like a week ago. Um, so there was nothing like, you know, specific to last night. Um, so they had a lot of time to work with it. She's an excellent presenter. She's a wonderful speaker. I mean, she she just I mean, if if you're a Michelle Obama fan, you were probably losing your mind. Yeah. In fact, you were saying, why is Biden running? That's right. The, the question you were probably well, you know, asking I was, yourself.
4: The question that was running th- running through my head was, why didn't he pick Michelle Obama right, as a running right,
3: mate? Right. Right. All I can think of is that she didn't. She just wouldn't do it. Yeah. Because she'd be a she home hates, run.
4: I know that she hates politics. That was that was said uh, yesterday. I was watching CBS. I forget which which anchor it was, but apparently she hates politics, which is ironic because, <laughs> right? That's what she's
3: done <laughs> right. for her entire. Yeah adult life right Right. being married to who she was married (laughs) to and i don't know if i buy that i I don't know either i mean you can't let's be like me saying i hate i hate jazz my my husband's a (laughs) jazz guitarist like i can't say you hate jazz like it's just not i'm i think that that just seems to kind of Maybe she says it to give the impression that she's, like, above the fray, that right. she, you know, doesn't want to get into the same things that politicians have to get into. But she's very political. I mean, she just oh, started her she just started her podcast a couple of weeks ago right before the, you know, presidential season gets really heated. So, you know, she's going to be talking politics, like, 24-7. Of course.
4: I don't know if that was a way for her to make her sound more um, – bring her down a level to, yeah. like, a human perspective of, like – Hey, I can level with you. I think you're, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're right
3: about that. But you know, you know who I was feeling bad for last night? Who's that? All these party people who look forward to the convention every four years, like it's, you know, a retreat at the country club, you know, like they're just, they're drinking all the time and they're meeting famous celebrities and they're like, you know, hobnobbing with their, you know, dream come true. They're probably home eating wine and cheese. Exactly. So they don't have any of that now. There no. was a there was an article I read in, in uh, today's Wall Street Journal about how just totally, extremely, in every way different this convention is. And the same thing next week for the Republicans. I mean, it's just you know it's probably going to be. I don't even know what it's going to look. It's going right. to look every bit as weird as this it looks. Is. It and. Is. If you want a window into American politics, I guess this is the best one you're going to get. Anyway, we'll continue to talk about it as the show unfolds. But coming up next after the break, um, what are we doing? We're talking. Father Tom Soroka is going to be with us. Um, Father Tom is an Orthodox priest in the McKees Rocks area of Pittsburgh, and we're going to talk about emotional intelligence. Is emotional intelligence required for you to become spiritually mature? We'll talk about that and uh, what it might look like in contemporary pastoral leadership. That's next. It's the Tuesday edition of The Ride Home. We love you, John.
5: 101.5 WORD.
1: Next time on PowerPoint with Jack Cram. Does God still speak today? Absolutely yes. Don't expect to hear anything from God if you're not willing
11: to open the scriptures and ask him to speak. And the good news is that
1: when you open the scriptures, it becomes more than, than black ink on white paper. Tune in
6: next time for PowerPoint with Jack Graham. Tonight at 930 on 101.5 WORD. I know that on those tablets Mr. Moses brought down is the commandment to not covet. But I'll confess, my neighbor and his lawnmower is making it tough. He's got this stand-behind, ride-along space shuttle that covers probably three times more space than my trusty old lawn boy. So, when we have who mows the fastest races, which are completely fabricated in my head, he has some impressive advantages that I just don't have. It's Ryan, and at our Faith and Family Mortgage team, we're blessed to have a pretty special advantage of our own, and one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is lucky to be an arm of a bigger company that is a direct lender. Which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. An advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We are United Faith Mortgage.
14: We pay your appraisal fees up to
6: $500. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage
0: Lender License number 22672. At RPTS, class is back in session on campus, in person, this fall. Theological training happens best in the context of community, and RPTS prepares students for ministry as they interact face-to-face with pastor professors who share their lives as well as their knowledge. With small class sizes and large class spaces, RPTS offers an environment that easily meets all safety protocols. So take the next step in your ministry future. RPTS, study under pastors. Register now at rpts.edu.
16: A new college semester is right around the corner. Whether your student is heading back to campus or taking online classes from home, it's a great time to upgrade their mattress to ensure they're getting the rest they need for a successful school year. The Original Mattress Factory offers high-quality, hand-built mattresses at a factory-direct price. We can deliver anywhere in the U.S., or you can pick up any model in any standard size at any of our factory locations. Twin Extra Long mattresses are also available. Visit OriginalMattress.com to learn more.
0: WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at WordFM.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station.
3: As members of churches, what do we want from our pastor? Often, I think we want way too much, or we want something way too specific Or we want someone to fit into a mold we have in our head. Or we want someone to meet all of our needs or to stay in their own lane or whatever. I'm telling you, being a pastor is an incredibly hard job. Um, Oftentimes we need theological training. We need to go deep into God's word. We need to have it explained to us and taught to us. Sometimes we just need someone to sit with us. While we're grieving, I don't know how you can get one person to be able to do all of that, but that is what the calling is. And so, to talk about the the uh, I don't know the variety of things that are needed and the challenge of meeting those needs, we've invited Father Tom Soroka back to the program. Father Tom is the pastor of Saint Nicholas Orthodox Church in McKee's Rocks. Tom, I'm so glad to hear from you. How are you?
15: Hi, Kath. How are you? Uh, I'm glad to be hanging on in with there, you Tom. Today you? Think? Yeah. Can you hear me?
3: Yeah, I can hear you, Tom. And this is a really interesting conversation and a topic that you've been thinking about. Um I think we ask Definitely. a lot of our pastors. We want you guys to be able to go deep into God's word to explain deep theology to us, to sure. answer our questions about, you know, why the Bible is, you know, has a what we see as a um a controversy between one part and another. Um we want you to be able to tell us about the history of the uh of the church going back to the time of Jesus and back further and we want you to be able to sit with us while our mother is sick. Um that's a lot to ask, Tom.
15: Right. You know, but where the failures usually are in the in the pastorate is not on the theological level, but usually on the relational level, and that's really what happens. It's kind of interesting because uh, in in our Orthodox Church, I've been dealing with a lot of uh, churches that are really having a difficult time, especially during this pandemic, and it usually boils down to the pastor, the priest, not being able to navigate these difficult times where you're trying to to a certain extent, try to make everybody happy and make sure that things are moving forward, you know, and not getting sidetracked with a lot of the uh, things that are going on. So, here's what I want to ask you: Can you describe for me briefly the worst boss, or since we're talking about pastors, and you know, not to name any names, the worst pastor or boss you've ever had? Oh, yeah. I I can't
3: say about the worst pastor I had, but I'll say about the worst boss I ever had easily. Um, This person was uh, manipulative, uh, controlling. This person exhibited no sense of empathy with the people who worked for her. Uh, She had an overbearing nature such that people who worked for her couldn't ever step forward or come up with an original idea or figure out how to be creative. And so the entire organization became completely lifeless and flat. Um If you screwed up, uh she was merciless. If you yeah. went and apologized, she just left it off like it was no big deal and acted like, oh, no, we're friends again. And then she would right. find a way to stab you in the back. I mean, I could go on and on. It's a fascinating question. Yeah. To- <laughs> Why do you ask? And,
15: and- well, that's that would be a description of somebody with low emotional intelligence, and there is a way to measure this. Um, I was asked to teach a few classes this summer at one of our seminaries on leadership um, in the church, and so I decided to talk about emotional intelligence, and it was something that I learned during my secular career of, of many years, and I was fortunate enough to be a, a teacher and a, a a developer of courses on things like emotional intelligence, because these are qualities that are really common to any leader. And when I learned about emotional intelligence, which was developed by a psychologist by the name of Daniel Goldman, and a lot of people have probably seen the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0. It's a white book with a kind of an orangish cover. It's ubiquitous, it's everywhere. And what it does is it describes and talks about how you can um, look at what your emotional intelligence is and then how to develop that. So emotional intelligence would be called the ability to recognize and understand emotions in yourself and others and your ability to manage your behavior and in relationships. So that, you know, that, that emotional intelligence, like I said, you know, you can have all of theological knowledge in the world, but if you aren't able to relate to people, it's very, very difficult.
3: Right. Okay. So that, that, that emotional intelligence, is that something that is covered or was covered in your seminary training?
15: No, not at all. And that's, you know, what I'm finding is that um, because I had taught this class, and I had learned it in a secular um, milieu, what I really found was, oh, I wish like every pastor and priest that I knew had this information. And I would even say, this is not just about leadership, but this is about human behavior. Mm -hmm. Every husband and wife, every boss at work, every employee, uh, every uh, church member, you know, a youth director, everybody needs this idea of emotional intelligence to be able to not only control yourself and your own emotions, but also to um, see when things trigger you. That's Mm. really the, that's kind of the, the, the crux of the matter is what triggers you? And then being able to recognize that and control it, because like you said in the example that you gave, you know, if this person was manipulative, they were, They it, it's possible, it really is possible, that they didn't know it, because everybody was too scared to tell them, look, you know, you're manipulating people. These are really, uh, it's hard for us to, to kind of see ourselves clearly, and so one of the points in the emotional intelligence process is to go through a test. You can rate yourself on these various areas, but where it's really powerful is when you get other people to be able to evaluate your emotional intelligence.
3: Whoa. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Father Tom Soroka is with us. He's the pastor of St. Nicholas Orthodox Church in McKee's Rocks. Um, Only a couple minutes left, Tom, talk about what that experience was like for you. I mean, you know, first of all, none of us want to hear negative criticisms from other people, but (laughs) it's, it's the only way forward for us to grow as people.
15: It's very hard. And I think that that, that part of it helps us grow. So you know, the scriptures talk about uh, being able to, uh, you know, change to transform our mind, things like that. So when you're when you are being evaluated on things like self awareness, somebody that thinks ahead, that remains calm during stressful situations, you may actually be lying to yourself, and you may think, yeah, I'm really calm, but then everybody else is saying. Yeah, actually you're not really very calm or you don't manage your emotions very well and when you get that report back it can be a real kick in the the guts um, on the other hand you can kind of get good news too because because we're blind to our own skills for instance like uh, social awareness so that's another emotional intelligence skill if you have high social awareness, it means you put yourself in somebody else's place. You sense the feelings of others. You were talking about empathy, where your boss didn't have any empathy. You, it may be that you don't realize that you're actually very empathetic, and you may think, oh, I'm kind of weak in that area, but when everybody evaluates you, they're saying, Kathy, you, you're really very empathetic, and you're thinking, wow, I didn't realize that, and then you can play to that strength.
0: Mm.
3: Wow, that is really interesting. That's Father Tom Soroka talking about uh, emotionally healthy spirituality. Um, I gained a lot from that. Uh, Tom, talk about what's going on at St. Nicholas, especially in these uh, COVID-19 times.
15: Well, we have more services now uh, during uh, the the COVID-19 period because we can't have more than 50% of capacity in our church. And we're pretty much maxed out at that point. So Um, We're having two services, one on Saturday morning and one on Sunday morning. Our our main service is called the Divine Liturgy, and that's at 10 a.m. If you go to our website, orthodoxpittsburgh.org, there's a sign-up sheet there, and everybody can just say, hey, I want a slot for one particular service. On Saturday, we're kind of giving people a little bit more space, so we're keeping the numbers down on Saturday to try to give people that need a little bit more breathing room uh, that that space. And then we also have a lot of our classes, but it's all online now. So we're trying to be flexible, but we still have a lot going on. So we would love for people to come and uh, see us and, and visit us.
3: Terrific. That's Father Tom Soroka, pastor of St. Nicholas Orthodox Church, McKees Rocks, PA. The website dot orthodoxpittsburgh.org, Tom? Correct okay orthodoxpittsburgh.org all right we're going to step away come back we'll talk about the state of mississippi they have selected their final five designs for a brand new state flag you might not think, what does that mean to me in pennsylvania well i'll tell you about it next All right ride home
1: Gold prices keep climbing and just hit an all-time high. COVID-19 and battered global economies are sending investors to the safe haven of physical gold to avoid losing value in their IRAs, 401ks, and stocks. Don't stand on the sidelines and wonder what the stock market is going to do next. Protect and grow your financial future today with a call to American Bullion, the leader in gold investments. You have valid concerns, and we have simple solutions for all needs and budgets. In fact, we specialize in first-time gold buyers as well. As veterans, Find out about American Bullion's hassle-free process to transfer any portion of your IRA, 401k, or stocks into the long-term safety of a gold IRA today. Call 800-GOLD-IRA and ask for our free gold guide. That's 800-465-3472. 800-GOLD-IRA. Grow your financial future with the rising value of physical gold and protect yourself during this worldwide crisis. Call the leader, American Bullion. 800 gold That's 1-800-936-5496.
0: Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -hmm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever.
10: Hi.
2: Oh, hey.
0: Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger, put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from Nitsa and the Ad Council.
7: I was a little bit surprised, but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us.
0: Exceptional Dentistry Meets Compassionate Care at stockfamilydentistry.com
7: We are everywhere on your radio at
5: 101.5 WORD FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com the Word FM mobile app by heart tune in and at radio.com
12: Partial clouds tonight low 56 sunny nice for tomorrow high 77 clear tomorrow night low 55 Thursday, sunny and nice with a high 82. For Friday, clouds and some sunshine, high 84. Cloudy on Saturday, a thunderstorm in the afternoon hours, high 83. With the Iraqi Weather Forecast, I'm Andy Rob.
3: Back in June, the state of Mississippi retired its state flag. It was the last United States state flag to feature the Confederate battle flag, and um, with all the conversation and uh, decision making, and I don't know, you name it, protest that's gone on in the wake of the death of George Floyd, I think it was about time um, that Mississippi considered this. Now Mississippi has been talking about it for a really long time, but they finally decided to um, to make good on the stuff that they'd been chatting about. For so many years. Um And now Mississippi is one step closer to picking a state flag that its residents can vote on in November. I wondered how this would happen, you know, when they decided to decommission the old one, I thought, so what do you get an artist to like, do a new one? Like, how do you? I don't know. How do you come up with a flag? Anyway, this is how you come up with a flag. It looks like the uh, Mississippi State Commission uh, was tasked with designing a new state flag, and they selected five final options today for the public to weigh in on after the state decided earlier this year to ditch the old one. Uh, Three of the flags, if you're familiar with Mississippi, if you've traveled there, um, you recognize that magnolias are a big thing. So the magnolia flower is featured in the center of several of the flags. Um, There is a circle of stars to signify Mississippi status as the 20th state. couple of the flags have a magnolia tree Uh, another flag includes waves that represent the mississippi river the delta and the gulf coast Um, features the words in god we trust which is from the uh, state legislature and each design includes a yellow diamond shaped star to reflect mississippi's native american history and culture which i think is very cool that represents are you ready for this mike the, right. yeah, I, the yellow diamond-shaped star represents the eastern diamondback rattlesnake. Oh. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want that on a flag, but I'm not from Mississippi, so my vote doesn't count. Anyway, the five flags will be posted later on the Mississippi Department of Archives and History's website for the public to vote on. And so the public gets to pick. Um, as of Monday afternoon, 48,000 people have already voted. Wow. I mean, that's really cool. Now, that was in the public poll for to like get down to the five that have been um, selected as yeah. finalists. But it's a lot of people. So people in Mississippi really care about this. Um, uh, also, in uh, at the end of August, um, they're going to put the uh, five finalists. Actually, they're going to make it into a flag and put it up on a flag pole to see what it looks like yeah. before people can decide. Um, the final flag should be selected on September 2nd to submit to the governor and the Mississippi legislature. But the main thing apparently, quote, is that everybody, the public needs to know that this is a choice they will have on the November ballot. So final flags uh, will be named on September 2nd and the public gets to vote in November. I think that's very cool. Uh, the reason I think it matters to us in Pennsylvania is you know, we just don't pay any attention to what's on our state flag. And when you look at a situation like this, you think, wow, it actually does say something about who you are. So maybe tonight you can look at the blue flag of the uh, state of Pennsylvania and say, hey, what's that about? Anyway, we're going to step away. We're going to talk to someone who's not from Mississippi, but has spent some time there from Louisiana. Rod Dreher will be with us next. We'll talk about changes in America. We'll talk about what it means to be part of a small town. And why again did the evangelicals vote for Trump? That's next on today's
10: Ride Home. 101.5
5: WORD. 30 million children in the U.S. rely on
3: school for food. And with schools and summer camp programs shut down due to the pandemic, the need is both great and immediate.
1: Join Word FM as we team up with Save the Children to meet the needs of children not only around the world, but right here at home. A $100 gift right
11: now can help us keep kids healthy and learning throughout the COVID-19 outbreak. Make the greatest difference at a crucial time for kids now by going to WordFM.com.
6: I know that on those tablets Mr. Moses brought down is the commandment to not covet. But I'll confess, my neighbor and his lawnmower is making it tough. He's got this stand-behind, ride-along space shuttle that covers probably three times more space than my trusty old lawn boy. So, when we have who mows the fastest races, which are completely fabricated in my head, he has some impressive advantages that I just don't have. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage team, we're blessed to have a pretty special advantage of our own, and one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is lucky to be an arm of a bigger company that is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. An advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We our United Faith Mortgage.
0: United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park, Rome, Middle, New York. Licensed mortgage banker for all licensing information, go to animalist, consumer access, outdoor, corporate, animalist, number 1330, equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com.
1: Finding the right type of care for your loved one can be a highly emotional decision. Moving your loved one to a nursing home, rehab center, or independent care may not be necessary. Help at
0: Home, formerly XL Home Care, can provide a warm, family-like environment with a Help at Home caregiver, or you may even qualify to get paid to take care of the ones you love. To learn more, call Help at Home, 412-212-8950, 412-212-8950. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station
3: so last night the democrats kicked off their convention and it was weird i mean that's all i can say it just was and it wasn't a surprise to anyone as mike said that 90 percent of it is why the president is oh so wrong for the country and i don't know maybe five percent of it is why joe biden might be good and the other five is just random I don't know, complaining and weird music elements. I don't even know. But as the party kicks all this around for the next couple of days, the culture as the whole is asking a bunch of different questions. And one of them is why, why, why did evangelicals go for Trump in 2016? Now there's been a lot of analysis about this and endless talk over the last four years, but to talk about American community in particular and, um, one that he's focused on in conversation is rod Dreher. rod is senior editor at the american conservative author of the little way of ruthie lemming and how dante can save your life and the most recent the benedict option a strategy for christians in a post-christian nation his upcoming book live not by lies will be published in september rod welcome back
15: it's great to be back
3: Always good to have you, Rod. I want to make sure that we set aside time to talk about the uh, new book and how it's coming along in the world of publishing. Um, I'm not sure if it's delayed or whatever due to COVID, but we'll get to that. Okay, so let's start with the um, with the convention last night. Um, so it was weird. Rod, did you take in any of it?
15: <laughs> I was afraid you might ask me that, Kathy. No, I didn't watch any of it. Mm. I am just so overwhelmed by frustration at our political process right now and just the the fighting i i know that's i'm irresponsible for not watching it no but no, no it tells Biden me that you and, just
3: want to be happy and i think it's a responsible choice so good for you
15: well it's it's not so much wanting to be happy as it is just wanting to be sane
3: right Right, exactly. And that's also something to be uh, admired. Okay, Rod, let's talk about this piece that you've written. Um, You wrote in response to an article by Elizabeth Diaz in the New York Times. She wrote about white evangelicals in rural uh, small town Iowa still standing with Donald Trump. And I, you know, I read the piece and it's long. It's actually very interesting. The contention of the piece is that evangelicals didn't support Trump in spite of who he was, Rod, but because of it that evangelicals wanted um, a protector. They wanted kind of a bully who was on their side, uh, someone who was going to protect their way of life or at least was going to retard its ending. Um, Maybe that their power as evangelicals, as culture makers could be regained. Um, Talk about your feelings about the article and about how it was presented.
15: Well, I didn't think it was very fair to be honest towards those evangelicals in rural Northwestern Iowa I mean, it is true that they're very conservative people. They vote Republican in overwhelming numbers anyway. The numbers with which they came out for Donald Trump are no different from the numbers in which they came out for previous Republican presidents. But I have to say she's right, the reporter, Elizabeth Diaz, in one way. These folks do believe that their culture is under siege, and they do see the president as some kind of protector of them. and. I don't think they're quite wrong that way. Uh, I mean, their culture certainly is under siege. In the same week that 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 article came out of the New York Times, the number one song in the country was by that rap star Cardi B. And it's so filthy, we can't even talk about it on the radio. Mm
7: -hmm. And
15: those, those people out there, those Reformed Christians in Iowa, they're the freaks in this culture. And people like that rapper, she's the mainstream. So the idea that these, poor people in Iowa are somehow wanting to get power to push around other people in this country. It's just false. This is a typical New York Times narrative.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, then let's break down what the society's like in Sioux City, Iowa, which is the um, which is the point of her profile. So, this is a small town. Um, it's conservative. It's chiefly Dutch Reformed, um, and the um, the religious leanings of the community leak out into all elements of community life. Can you talk about that?
15: Sure. It sounded like uh, the sort of traditional small town life that was in most of the country in uh, decades past, but a long time in the past. And these are folks whose entire week revolves around the church and youth group and things going on at church. Uh, the uh, dinner time in the homes of these Dutch reformed people, we usually end dinner with a prayer and then some scripture reading. And uh, this is not everybody's way of life. It's not my way of life, but these people really value it. I got a letter from a man named Pastor Kurt Monroe. He's a pastor of First Christian Reformed in Sioux Center, Iowa. And he's a newcomer to the town. He moved there five or six years ago to take up the pastorate. He said it's the happiest, most neighborly place he's ever been. It's not besieged and angry at all, but these are people who just place Christ first in every aspect of their lives. And because of that, people on the outside, especially in the media, can't understand them.
3: Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've all seen The Music Man, right? You really ought to give Iowa a try, right? So they, they, have a, they have a rich history documented in a famous musical of being small town centric and really valuing that type of lifestyle. And so by bringing up Cardi B, Rod, um, what's your point? Are you saying that they see the Cardi B, you know, uh, entertainment type of uh, liberal Hollywood look at the world and they're like, no, thank you?
15: yeah it's a complicated point to be honest uh, that cardi b and the culture she represents this culture of hollywood entertainment industry uh, lasciviousness uh, i mean it is a, just a filthy song and again this is this has become mainstream this is the complete opposite of what those people stand for and they are correct that this culture is besieging them where I, I think they go wrong and it's tragic in a way is to the extent that they think that a politician, President Trump or any president, is going to fully protect them from that kind of thing. There was a quote in the New York Times story from one uh, Dutch Reformed man in town who said that he feels that if Trump wins this fall, we're safe for four more years. Well, oh, no, you're really not. Because yeah. if, if your kids are listening to this stuff or streaming it on YouTube or, or passing it around on social media... Yeah, you know, the president can't protect you from that. It's more complicated than than a than a mere political calculus would have people believe.
3: Right, but Rod, the thought that you could be upset with Cardi B, and then look at Donald Trump, especially in 2016, and say uh, this is the guy that's going to like lead us down the path of light.
15: Yeah, that's that's just really silly, but. You know, some of the, the things that this pastor wrote me there, he said, look, a lot of folks around here aren't uh, don't have any illusions about Donald Trump. They know who he is, but they also believe that uh, for all his flaws, he is not going to come after uh, Christians in the same way that Democrats would. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, I think they may have a point there about judges and things like that, but I would just caution my fellow Christians—and I'm a conservative, too— that uh, a lot of times we like to look at what's happening on TV and happening in politics and think that our fate rests wholly on what goes on there. It's actually more important what happens in your church, in your family, in your school, and in your community. That's more important to the future of your family's life than what happens in Washington. We just need to have more balance.
3: Ah, uh, boy, I couldn't agree with that more. Rod Dreher is with us, senior editor at the American Conservative, author of the upcoming book *Live Not by Lies*, which will be published in just a couple months. Um, Rod, boy, in your article, you brought up Marion Barry as an example, a l- little bit of an analogy or a case study. Uh, I thought that that really helped me to kind of get this a little bit. Can you uh, can you explain where you went with Marion?
15: Sure, I moved to Washington D.C. in the early 1990s when Marion Barry was the mayor there. He was a very flamboyant, highly corrupt politician, African-American, and uh, he was absolutely hated by the white establishment who couldn't understand how the black majority of Washington could vote for such a flagrantly corrupt man. But the black people of D.C., they really were on the outside of all the power, powerful decisions being made in the city. They looked to Marion Barry as somebody who stood up for them. And the fact that powerful white people in Congress and in the business community who uh, looked down on them also looked down on Marion Barry, that's why they thought he was their champion. So I, I do believe that a lot of people who support Donald Trump may not really like him, and they certainly wouldn't defend his personal morals. But they see that the people who hate Trump the most also hate them and their values, and that's good enough for them.
3: Yeah, I think that's a really good point. It, you know, and it's not just evangelicals. Um, Rod, have you ever been to Pittsburgh? I have. Okay. Well, if you have spent any time here, you know that it's um, even though it's a tech hub now, and we've got Google and Amazon and Zoom uh, with uh, headquarters here. Historically, Pittsburgh's a working class town. It's mostly Catholic. Um, chiefly Eastern European, at least it was at its beginnings. And um, I was reading your article thinking about my dad, who just passed away last year. My dad was Polish. He grew up here in Pittsburgh in a Polish ghetto uh, outside the city. His whole childhood, Rod, was... um, was shaped by major institutions like the Catholic Church, like his Catholic school, um, the Knights of Columbus, the Polish Falcons, right? And he was as far from an evangelical as you could get, right? He was, he was dyed-in-the-wool Polish Catholic. But Trump was interesting to him. He didn't like him. Uh, my dad thought he was unhinged. I don't know if he voted for him, but there was something kind of – satisfying about him for my dad, like he was fighting back against something my dad had watched disappear since his childhood. You know, do
7: you get that? Do you see that?
15: Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. My late father uh, did not live to vote for Trump, but he, he died during the campaign season in 2015. And I can remember being on his sick at his sickbed with him watching uh, television, watching the news, he felt the same way about Trump. He was very far from an evangelical. He wasn't much of a church goer, small town Southern, but uh, didn't know anything about evangelicalism and uh, only reconciled to Christianity later in his life. Nevertheless, what Trump stood for for him was the America that we'd lost. And mm. I, I still didn't understand that even through my dad's eyes until I went one day here in Baton Rouge, where I live, I went into a, a po'boy shop on a, in a working class part of the city and just sat there having lunch listening to what people around me were saying. These are all working class white people and they love Trump. But they didn't what the things they were saying weren't bigoted. They just could relate to him in a way that completely escaped me and my educated uh, friends.
7: Yeah. Yeah. So uh, and, and I don't so, say that
15: in, yeah. in a in a way, but just saying that me and my educated friends, whether we live in D.C., New York, wherever we live, we can talk to each other and have a certain rapport that we can't even have with working class people in our own city. And that was a real wake up call to me and let me know how how thick my own bubble was even here, deep in red America.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I really... I hear that because, you know, of course, we've all witnessed, you know, all of left leaning America just piling on the president, you know, 24 7 for the last four years. I mean, I've barely survived it. It's just wretched. Um, and it's tiresome and it's, you know, self righteous and, you know, it's really annoying to listen to because it's so ridiculously repetitive. Um, at the same time, in a lot of ways I get where they're coming from. Right. I, the the person of Donald Trump, again, it does, I don't know if it has produced things in us or it's just revealed things in us. Um, how do you yeah. look at where we are in America? I mean, I'm not even going to ask you if he's going to be reelected because none of us knows, but where, what do you think it's shown us about us?
15: Oh, that's such a deep and, and important question. I think that it has shown that we have lots of fault lines in America that are the establishment political parties, both Republicans and Democrats, uh, overlooked or covered up. I mean, the Republicans, if you'll remember, back in 2015, 2016, the establishment did not want Donald Trump. He came in and overturned all of them. Uh, and they have still not figured out what to do about it. I, I think that uh, what that showed is that they had become—the Republican establishment had gotten really out of touch with its base. In a broader way, I think the elites of this country, both left and right, are really disconnected from the majority of people. They don't understand how people are hurting, and maybe the people themselves don't understand uh, how things got to be this way, and they're looking for some kind of savior, I remember uh, a political savior. I remember J.D. Vance, the the guy who wrote Hillbilly Elegy. I heard him on the radio in 2016 writing about how he had grown up in Appalachia, and uh, he had come to think that Donald Trump is like an opioid. He will take the pain away, but not actually do anything to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, J.D. said the, the thing is, at least Trump recognizes the problem, the suffering people have in the Rust Belt and in these small towns where they've lost their economies. The rest of the main uh, mainstream establishment doesn't even see that.
3: Hmm. Wow. Yeah, i <laughs> And J.D. can speak to that so very well, right? He's, he's right. speaking people about his own people. And I think that's one of the things that we're, we're missing, Rod. I'm tired of hearing people who live, you know, in the in the um, coastlines of America kind of lecturing to the rest of us about what we think about anything. And that's where I think J.D. Vance has a unique voice because he's just speaking about his own people. And that's why I think you have a unique voice because you often historically in your book has spoken about your own people. Um, all right, we're just about out of time, Rod. So I want to fast forward and talk about your new book. Are we on? Um, are we going to meet your target date for publishing in we, September?
15: We are, September 29th. Although I have to tell you, I'm a little bit worried that the book might be ancient history by then. Things are falling apart so fast in this culture.
3: Isn't it hard to believe?
15: It really is. I mean, this book, Live Not By Lives, is... Uh, an analysis of our culture and how we are living in what I think is a pre-totalitarian uh, society. And I don't just say that throwing out throwing rhetorical bombs. I went back and analyzed the culture in light of Hannah Arendt, the great political philosopher. Her, uh, She had a checklist of things that tip society in Germany, Nazi Germany, over to totalitarianism and also Soviet Russia into totalitarianism. We've got a lot of these things going on right now. And uh, what I also did was interview Christians, uh, Protestant, Catholic, and Orthodox, in the former Soviet Union and former Eastern Europe, and ask them, what can Christians do to resist this totalitarianism if it comes here? And uh, I'm telling you, every single day, the news tells me that uh, this book is really going to be relevant to the times we're living in now.
3: I cannot wait. That's Rod Dreher, the brand-new book, coming out in September, Live Not By Lies. Rod, thanks for being with me today.
15: Oh, it's always a pleasure.
16: When you're in college, sleep is important. But thanks to your studies and busy schedule, you might not be getting as much rest as you need. That old mattress you've had since you were a kid, though? It's just not cutting it upgrade your sleep experience with a locally made hand-built mattress from the original mattress factory we offer a variety of mattresses including twin extra long to suit every comfort preference and to fit every budget and we deliver right to you visit an omf store near you or go to originalmattress.com to learn more
1: this is greg Trzynski
15: from the original mattress factory our entire team would like to thank you for the support you have shown us over the last few months The safety of our customers and employees remains our top priority.
1: We have implemented safety measures in our stores, factories, and throughout the delivery process.
15: We are monitoring the latest guidance from healthcare officials and local governments, and we will adjust our policies and services accordingly. Please visit OriginalMattress.com or give your local store a call to learn more about these measures.
3: If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm Kathy Emmons. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in network. Isn't it time for a change? Stop the insanity. Call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept. And reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30 percent. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. Or go to MarleyFG.com.
0: One cup at a time. Firebirds Wood Fired Grill fights back against childhood cancer. Join Firebirds all August as there are several ways to donate to Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation. Whether ordering online or dining in, firebirdsrestaurants.com.
7: I was a little bit surprised but so happy to see how eager patients were to return to the office. And their loyalty and their friendship means everything to us.
0: Exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care at StockFamilyDentistry.com. WORD celebrates the high school class of 2020, and we'd like to reward your college-bound seniors' achievement during our Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, presented by Salem Media Group. Enter now through August 20th for a chance to win a $500 school package. Click the contest banner at wordfm.com and upload a photo of your senior with a short bio of their future plans. Then, Friday, August 21st, one lucky senior will win a $500 school package. The Senior Spotlight Sweepstakes, brought to you in part by... Salem Media Group, Salem Surround, and this station.
3: Thanks for being along for today's Ride Home. Mike and I appreciate your presence with us today. We've been without John Hall, our friend and uh, compatriot, because he's been under the gun, not under the gun, he's under the knife. He had shoulder replacement surgery um, early this afternoon, and I've just heard from his wife that um, the surgeons have told her that surgery went well. He's in recovery now, and we are really excited to hear that um, he has a brand new future ahead that does not include the uh, mind-numbing pain he's had since the day he fell. fell in his yard in May and completely blew out his shoulder. So anyway, John, we love you. We're really um, looking forward to you being, I don't know, whole again, as I, I I can only imagine how you are. Anyway, so good news about John. Anyway, um, if you missed any portions of today's show, I'm sorry to tell you that our podcast is still not up and working. We're having technical problems at the network level, but we'll be sure to get that back to you as quickly as possible. But please join us on the Wednesday edition of The Ride Home and have a great night, all of you.
15: Pittsburgh.